How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, wasn't that great worship? I was just thinking now that that baby inside, my little nephew inside Frankie, and I was listening to that. Probably worshiping in there, moving too, Frankie. God bless you. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse 1, as we continue in the third part of our series, God First. If, let me just remind you all, if maybe you have a forgetful memory, the first week of this series, we talked about God first in your priorities. The second part of this series, we talked about God first in the home. And the third part of this series, it just gets more and more challenging. Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse 1. Let's read this scripture first. And I'll tell you what the third part of this series is. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. I want you to notice something. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one... Sorry, let me just... I can't see the letters. They're so small. <laughs> I need a bigger Bible. <laughs> Goodness, or glasses. One more time. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was once the pharaohs of the officials, the captains of the guard, bought him. Notice, Pharaoh bought him. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian's master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes. Notice, Joseph found favor. He found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of all the household, and he entrusted to him the care of everything he owned. And from that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptians because of Joseph. I love that the Bible says three things. Joseph found favor with God. He found favor. He prospered. He succeeded. Is that not something you want for your life? The favor of God, the prosperity of God, and the success of God. And it's easy to look at this and say, well, that happened to Joseph because God was with him. And that's true, but... Why was God with him? What did Joseph do? And here it is. You guys ready? This morning, we're going to speak on the subject of God first, as we continue the third part of this series, God first in my attitude. We talked about God first in my priorities, God first in my home, now God first in my attitude. How many of you need an attitude adjustment this morning? I think we all do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. As we go to this word, I pray, Lord, that you would help me, Father, to speak your word today, speak to our hearts, help us to understand it, apply it to our lives, and to put our attention and our love and our focus now in in your word, Lord. Bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen 
Amen. You guys can have a seat where you're at. As we go into the third part series of God First, we're talking God First in my attitude. When we think about our attitudes, we don't think much about them. We kind of just feel what we want to feel, think what we want to think, say what we want to say, do what we want to do. And we give little attention to the fact that your little attitude is causing a big problem. And if you want to see God bless your life like never before, you have to have an attitude that He can bless. I thought about this story that I heard recently of a a woman in the church that someone in church blessed her with a parrot. And this parrot was was one of the most beautiful parrots she's ever seen. I mean, this parrot had the brightest, most colorful feathers. And this, he was so friendly, she said. He was so sweet. And I just want to bless you with this parrot. And she wondered why someone in the church would just bless her with this amazing, beautiful parrot. And as she got home, she noticed something about this parrot. He was nice in church when the woman gave it to her. But as soon as the parrot got home, the parrot had a bad attitude. And every day this woman got home from work, the the parrot would just yell out obscenities at her. And he would say, welcome back, you old hag. Where have you been? Where's my food? And this parrot would always complain. This parrot would always insult her. This parrot brought this woman to the verge of tears And she understood now why he was given away. It was his attitude. And when she went back to the church to give the parrot back, the woman was nowhere to be found. And the pastor asked her, what's wrong? And she said, Pastor, I have a problem. I was given this parrot, but it has a bad attitude and and I can't take it anymore. He complains, he cusses, all he does is insult me. I can't take this parrot's attitude anymore. And the pastor said to this woman, well, what would you need to do? First of all, you need to to pray for this parrot. Let's pray together, Ronald. Let's pray. And they prayed for that parrot. And the pastor said, when you get home, you know, parrots are creatures of environment. So I want you to go home and I want you to begin to play worship music throughout the house as often as you can. So she went home and the pastor also told her, not only are you to play worship music, but... I want you to quote scripture every time you have with this parrot. Just read him the Bible. And let's see if this parrot could change his attitude. And sure enough, she went home and she prayed every day for this parrot. And every day she put on worship music when she was at home. And every chance she had, she fed him. She took care of him, maybe thinking that maybe if I was nice to him, he would change. And she began to quote almost the entire New Testament to this parrot. She just quoted scripture. The parrot kept on. Insulting her. Complaining. Bad attitude. She had it. So she got this parrot. And she just wanted a break 
She wanted some peace for a few minutes. So she threw this parrot in the freezer. Shut the freezer door and left him there for just a minute. And the parrot got quiet. She thought he was dead. And in her panic, she opened the freezer and there he was. And he was so nice. And he says, I really want to ask for forgiveness for what I did to you. I want you to know that I appreciate every time you feed me, take care of me. And actually, I don't think you're an old hag. I think you're wonderful. Please forgive me. I repent. Thank you. And the parrot's attitude changed instantly. For days, he was nice. For days, the parrot quoted scripture, prayed, worshipped, best parrot ever. And she was just wondering, what happened in that freezer that changed you? So she asked him, said, well, the truth is, when I saw what you did to that chicken in the freezer, I knew you meant business. <laughs> Come on, give God praise. Some of you are like that parrot. Feels like in today's world, there's a lot of us that need adjustment in our attitudes. We have bad attitudes in the home. We're raising children with bad attitudes. We're working with people with bad attitudes. Watch the news, you see bad attitudes. You go to church. Oh, yeah. You go to church. You see people with bad attitudes. We don't think that our attitudes make a difference in our lives, but it really does. And your attitude will determine whether God can truly bless you like He did Joseph. The old saying goes, your attitude determines your altitude. And as cliche as that sound, that phrase actually came as a flight term. You see, in every airplane, there's an instrument on the panel, and it's called an attitude indicator. Let me show you what that looks like here. This attitude indicator is one of the most important instruments on an airplane. The attitude indicator is what helps a pilot know whether the plane is balanced. That attitude indicator tells the pilot the direction the nose is pointed, whether it's up, whether it's leveled, whether it's down. That attitude indicator is placed there because a pilot cannot drive, cannot fly a plane based on what he sees through the window or what he feels. He cannot say, well, I feel like it's balanced. I feel like my nose is leveled. He cannot assume based on his sight or based on his feelings. So a pilot's eyes are always placed on that attitude indicator. And that attitude indicator will determine whether that plane arrives safely and lands. And if that pilot ignores the attitude indicator and just goes by what he sees or feels, that plane is doomed. That plane will remain off balance, pointed the wrong direction. 
So even though the pilot is there and he can see through the window, an attitude indicator is used through nighttime flying, it's used during the deepest of darkest of storms, it's used during the most beautiful of times, because the attitude indicator will determine what direction that plane is going. And what a picture of our attitudes in our lives. Your attitude is an indicator of what God can do and what direction He can send you. And there are many people and families and churches who are spiraling out of control, who are off balance and headed for disaster and crashes because of an attitude. You look behind every divided relationship. You look at behind every failed marriage. Look at every broken family, every broken church. And an attitude was an indicator. An attitude was a problem. Whether it be an attitude of selfishness, whether it be an attitude of anger, whether it's an attitude of bitterness, whether it's an attitude of jealousy, your attitude will indicate what direction the Lord can give you. That is why, like the pilot, we are always to have to check our attitudes. You can't just live your life by what you feel. You can't live your life by what you see. But sadly, many of our attitudes are determined by what I feel and what I see. And if I feel upset, I'm going to have an angry attitude. And if I see that I've been treated wrongly, I'm going to have a bitter attitude. And my attitude is an indication of what I feel and what I see. And it's no wonder today God can't bless you. If you want to save your life, your marriage, your family, your church, and any other area of your life that requires a relationship, your attitude must be checked. You cannot be an angry person and expect to live a life of peace. You cannot be a selfish person and expect God to give you. Your attitude is an indicator. Whether you stay leveled and balanced or go completely off course. And sadly, many of our attitudes are governed by my circumstance. What I feel, what I see. And you're going the wrong direction, it's affecting your, your livelihood. That attitude of yours. That attitude of yours is affecting your friendships that you once had, that you once held with high honor. Your attitude is destroying your marriage. Your attitude is breaking apart your family. Your attitude is sucking the joy out of church. Your wrong attitude must be checked. When you put God first in your life, you don't just put Him first in priority. You don't just put Him first in your home. You must, an indication of a God-first lifestyle is a God-like attitude. When you put God first in your life, It affects the way 
Your attitude is. An attitude is simply a settled way of thinking towards something or someone. It's a settled way of thinking that reflects in your behavior. In other words, first comes the thought, then comes the feeling, and then comes the behavior. I think something, I feel something, I act it out. That's attitude. I think angry, I feel angry, I act angry. I think jealous, I feel jealous, I act out in jealousy. I, I think selfish, I feel selfish, I act selfish. Attitude is a settled way of thinking. And if there was ever an indicator for Christians... If there was ever an instrument we are to look at to make sure that we are balanced, leveled, and headed the right direction is in Philippians 2.5. Paul writes this to a church and he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude You see, when Paul wrote this to a church, he was writing to a church that were fighting with one another, they were going through hardships, they were being persecuted, and all Paul wanted to do was set them free from this, and he wanted them to live a life of joy in spite of their circumstances, and Paul writes this amazing letter to them, and he says, not just, hey, have faith in God, believe in God, trust God, keep going to church, keep praying, Paul stays away from that for a moment, and he tells this church that he wants to set free and he wants them to experience the joy of the Lord, he simply tells them, it's your attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And it's interesting enough that Paul wrote this, not when his life was easy, so you couldn't say, well, it's easy for Paul to say that. He's not married to who I'm married to. He's not raising the children I have. He doesn't have the job I have. It's easy for Paul to say, have a good attitude. But let me tell you something. Paul wrote this from a prison cell. He wrote this after being stripped naked and beaten by other people. He wrote this after being just thrown into in chains and in the dark, cold cell. He knew what it was like to have an attitude that reflected Jesus Christ. If anyone could have complained, it was Paul. If anyone could have been bitter, it was Paul. But Paul chose to have an attitude that reflected Jesus. And he saw how that brought him joy and how that brought him contentment. So when he gives this advice to the church, it's not just something he would say. It's something he was living himself. And he tells the church, I want you to have joy. I want you to live in peace. In spite of what people do to you. In spite of what you're going through. And Paul says the key to this is your attitude. Are you going to have an angry attitude? Are you going to have a selfish attitude? Are you going to have a bitter attitude? Or are you going to have an attitude that is reflecting Jesus Christ? That is our indicator. 
So let's indicate this for a second. When you look at your life, the way you're treating people, the way you're speaking, the way you're acting, does it reflect Jesus Christ at this very moment? Maybe you're saying, no, I'm a little off balance. The Bible says your attitude needs to be the same of that of Christ Jesus. And Jesus had it hard. Jesus' life was very difficult from birth. Jesus' life was, wasn't easy. You've been betrayed by people, so, had, so did Jesus. His best friend Judas betrayed him. You've been rejected just like Jesus. Jesus was taken advantage of. People would just go up to him to have him fix their problems and then they would leave. You ever have a person come in your life just to use you? Peter, you know, Jesus knew what it was like to be mistreated, treated unfairly, rejected, heard, lied about, slandered. But nowhere in the Bible do you see Jesus having this attitude of bitterness and selfishness. In fact, he continued to forgive and walk in love and, and show compassion and humility. And you see Jesus living a life of peace, a life of joy in spite of anything, because Jesus had an attitude that honored God. When you put God first in your life, it should reflect on your attitude. Life will always be difficult. So if you're waiting for your circumstances to change, to have a change of attitude, you will always have a bad attitude. Because as long as you're alive, life will be hard because we live in a sinful, broken world. As long as there are people around you in your life, you will be hurt. You will be mistreated. You will be lied about. You will be taken advantage of by people you call friends and family, by the way. As long as you have life, as long as you have people, you will have a difficult life. Life is unfair. Circumstances are difficult. And one of the mistakes we make is to think that, well, our, my bad attitude is because of this and because of that. And Well, I have a bad attitude because you don't know who I'm married to. And I have a bad attitude because you don't know what I go through at work. And I have a bad attitude because you don't know these kids. And I have a bad attitude because of this and because of that. And we tend to think. Now listen, we tend to think that our misery and our anger and our lack of joy is the result of some type of circumstance or person. But let me be clear and bland. The circumstances in your life have nothing to do with your attitude. You're a miserable person because of your miserable attitude. That's it. 
Because you will not be the only one in a bad marriage. You're not the only one who hates his job. You're not the only one with demonic children. You're miserable, angry, you lack joy. Because of how you are choosing to think and respond to your circumstance. The proof of this is in the story of Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph prospered. Listen, Joseph prospered. Joseph found favor. Joseph had success. Why? Look at verse 2 and 3. The Bible says it clearly. The Lord was with Joseph. You say, well, there it is. He was with Joseph. Let me tell you, God was with a lot of people in the Bible that did not prosper. Was the Lord with Samson? Did he prosper? Was the Lord with David? But were there seasons in their life that he was not prospering? The answer to this is not, well, God was with him. That's not the answer why he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When the master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord gave him success. Joseph found prosperity and success. Not just because the Lord was with him, but why was the Lord with him? Was because Joseph had the right attitude. Folks, Joseph was sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers, thrown into Egypt, an unknown, ungodly land. He could have been angry. He could have been bitter. He could have been jealous. He could have been selfish. He could have been so mad, but yet he chose to do his job in a godly manner. He chose to have a right attitude, so much so that even Pharaoh, who did not even know God, said, no, that's a godly man. See, us as Christians should have such a godly attitude that those that don't even know Jesus can recognize him in you. Joseph worked with such excellence, with such ethics and integrity, Joseph showed up on time and left on time. He did all his work right. He didn't talk bad about the Pharaoh. He didn't gossip about Pharaoh. He didn't get together with everyone at the lunch table and complain how bad his job is, how bad everything was. Joseph just went to work with a smile. He did everything with the right attitude. He reflected God that Pharaoh said, now that's a person I can bless. And Pharaoh saw God in him. Your circumstances should not determine your attitude. Joseph is living proof that life can be hard, unfair. You can go through pain from some of the closest people, and yet God can still prosper you because of your attitude. James 4, 6 puts it this way. See, when you look at the word prosper, 
Today we've corrupted this word prosper. Prosperity is not a house. Prosperity is not a car. It's not a promotion. It's not health and wealth and everything else. Listen. That word prosperity in the Bible literally means when God can get behind you and advance you. That's what that prosperity means. That's why the Bible separates the two, prosperity and success. See, when Joseph had the right attitude, God says, I could get behind you. You see, some of you, God can't get behind you because of the attitude you have. But Joseph had such an attitude that God says, Joseph, I could get behind you. And when God is behind you, success is bound to happen. And a lot of us are looking for this success in our life, in our families, in our finances, in our workplace. We're looking for success. Success is when God is behind you. And God gets behind anyone that has a God-like attitude. Believe me, if Joseph would have been a little selfish, fussy brat, if he would have gone to work and life is so hard and it's so unfair and I was mistreated and I was the favorite and my, 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 my coat, they ripped it. God could not have done anything with him. If Joseph would have complained, been angry, upset, bitter, selfish, God could not have prospered him. God cannot get behind a bad attitude. And the proof is in James 4, 6. God gives grace. That word grace literally means unmerited favor. God gives favor. He gives more grace. But this is why God says, God opposes the what? What's pride? It's an attitude. See, God says, I could either get behind you or be against you. That's what that word opposition means. The word opposition in Greek literally means it's a battle term. It's when the enemy would line up and get ready to fight against you. How many of you want God lining up getting ready to fight you? You know how you get God lined up ready to fight you? Your attitude. And God says, I give favor to the humble or I oppose the proud. He gives you a choice. Do you want me with you or against you? Because Joseph, if I'm with you, I'm going to get behind you. And when I'm behind you, you're going to succeed. But Joseph, oh Joseph, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a whiner and a complainer and a fault finder, and if you're going to be bitter and selfish and angry, I'm going to line up against you and you're not going to see any success. Your attitude will determine whether God can get behind you or not. You say, well, pastor, how do I do this? Because I want God to get behind me. I want God to prosper. I want to see the success in my life. And any area of your life you want to succeed in has to have the right attitude. Anything, you name anything you want success in, it's an attitude. If you want success, let's say in your health, you can't have a bad attitude when you're eating healthy food or at the gym. 
If you want success in your marriage, you can have a bad attitude. No one marriage has ever said, listen, you know, ever since you've been cursing at me, yelling at me, throwing things against the wall and treating me bad, I have felt so close, honey. Mm, I love it. We have been so happy. Everything starts with your attitude. say, well, pastor, how do I get God behind me? How do I put God first in my attitude? Because it's been, it's been ruining my life. I go to bed angry. I wake up angry all day long. I'm selfish. I'm jealous. I'm bitter. I'm always negative. I'm affecting those around me. And I have no joy. I have no peace. What's going on with me? I know it's my attitude. If my attitude could just be better, I know my whole life will be better. But see, I don't just want to tell you how have a better attitude. I want to show you how. It wouldn't be fair for me to say, have a good attitude. God bless you. Amen. Be gone. Where does an attitude start? Number one. You better write this down. Number one, attitude is a choice. Not a feeling. Attitude is a choice. Say that with me. Attitude is a choice. Now, look at your neighbor and say, hey, it's your choice. It's your choice. Every you could have. Listen, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. And every day, every day, you're going to have to choose. Every day, you're going to go to work. Every day, someone's going to cut you off. You know that. Someone's going to honk a little too long at you. Every day, what are you going to choose? What did that do? Telling them you're number one in my life with your finger, that's not good. Take off the Jesus bumper sticker if you're going to do that, please. It's your choice. You know, when you walked into church this morning, you had a choice. Am I going to come in happy and grateful or mad over the week? I have a choice right now. I can choose to look at this room. Look around you. I can choose to look at that empty two chairs there and say, God, why are you so unfair? Why can't you fill the church up? I could choose to look at that hole that bothers me every Sunday. Say, oh my God, I can't stand this church. I can't, this building is terrible. Or I can say, Lord, thank you for the people I do have. Lord, thank you for the fact that we can meet together in the church during these crazy times. I can choose my attitude. It's a choice. It's not just, well, okay, I'm going to have a better attitude. No, you need to choose. You have like a second to choose when that attitude comes. Joseph's family abandoned him. I always wonder, why is it that Joseph, why is it he had a good attitude? See, I I look at the Bible and and I put myself in his place and I say, wait a minute, if that were me, if Danny and Enrique sold me for pennies, I'm worth more. Believe me, I would have a bad attitude. 
What was it about Joseph that got him to say, man, I need to have, I have a choice to make. Am I going to get angry, bitter, upset, or, or am I just going to trust God and do my job the best I can? You know why Joseph chose a right attitude? I believe, my opinion, but I believe it's true. Joseph realized attitude was everything. Why? Well, attitude got him in Egypt in the first place. The Bible, you got to read it. Joseph was a jerk. Immature. He had a prideful, arrogant attitude. His brothers were working all day hot in the field, and he comes out with this pimped out fur, rainbowed out fur coat, and says, Look what dad gave me. Look what dad gave me. And he had this prideful attitude. And the Bible says that his brothers got jealous, which is another attitude. You see, one bad attitude causes another person to have another bad attitude. And his jealous brothers, their bad attitude is what God Joseph sold as a slave in the first place. So Joseph was thinking to himself, and he said, how did I end up here? And he said, well, it was my brothers, they were jealous. And God said, well, why do you think that was? Oh, well, maybe I was a little prideful. My attitude got me here, didn't it, God? Yeah. And your brother's bad attitude got you here too. But Joseph, you're not 100% innocent. You see, you've been hurt by the attitude of other people, amen? How many have been hurt by a selfish attitude? Come on. You've been hurt by a bitter attitude, an unforgiving attitude. And it's easy for you to focus on the bad attitudes of others but once in a while, you've got to take and reflect it on yourself and ask yourself, how many times have I had the wrong attitude? And Joseph must have realized attitude got me here and attitude will get me out. Because some of the mess you're in, attitude got you in. But I'm telling you in Jesus' name, attitude will get you out. You've made a mess of your relationships, attitude-wise, attitude will get you out. You've made a terrible, destructive mess in your life because of your attitude. Attitude will change. Your attitude changed your life for the worse. Your attitude will change your life for the better. Attitude is a choice. You choose today. You're going to leave church and go to lunch and that waiter's going to be terrible. Choose. What are you going to do? You're going to drive. Choose. How are you going to do it? You're going to go to work tomorrow. How are you going to do it? You're going to be home with your kids tonight and your family, your marriage. How are you going to do it? Your attitude. Number two, not only is attitude a choice. Attitude is not circumstantial. I know this because when you read the story of Joseph, he had the right attitude, but he was definitely in a hard place. The fact that Joseph had the right attitude didn't mean that he'd forgiven his brothers. He would not forgive his brother till years after. So you don't have to wait and say, well, I have to forgive them first to so then treat them right. No, you treat them right even though you haven't forgiven yet. 
And then, you know that Joseph's right attitude was not an indication that he was happy. Because you don't have to wait to be happy to have a good attitude. Joseph was still hurt, still treated unfairly, but he chose and realized that my circumstance will not determine my attitude. When your circumstances are determined, you mean your attitude, you are telling God, if I feel something, I'm going to act that way. If I see this, I'm going to act this way. I'm going to live my life by how I feel and what I see and how things are in my circumstances. And God cannot get behind you. The reality is, is that Joseph's life was terrible. It was hard. And yet he still had the right attitude. He realized that the condition of my life will not be determining my attitude. Don't allow the emotions of life to dictate your attitude. Don't allow the actions of others to dictate or indicate your attitude. Don't allow the conditions of your life to dictate your attitude. The reality of the truth is of this word is that your attitude is never based on your circumstance. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18, clearly Paul writes to this church and he says, Give what? Thanks in all circumstances. Being thankful is an attitude. It's a thankful attitude. But notice that Paul says here, do it at all circumstances, proving that your attitude is not circumstantial. You don't have to wait to forgive and be happy and have everyone be completely fine and normal and good. And as long as everyone behaves, I'm going to be nice. It doesn't work that way. You want proof that attitude is not circumstantial? Look at Adam and Eve. They're the only people that can say they lived in the perfect world. And their attitude messed it up. They had an ungrateful attitude. And it cost them. If you're waiting for people to change, to then change your attitude, you'll never change it. If you're waiting for your circumstances to be right, some of you say, well, I'll have the better attitude once this happens. You're living under circumstances. When God is first, you don't care what you're thrown into. When God is first, you don't care who does what. You don't do what's right because you feel it. You do it because God said so. It's an attitude. You choose whether you're going to be an angry, jealous, vindictive person. You choose whether you're going to get bitter. You choose whether you're just going to live as a victim. Or you're going to choose to trust God like Joseph did. And work with a good attitude. Attitude is a choice. Attitude is not circumstantial. And this is why so many of us are in the wrong place right now. Because God gives you a chance. Hey, change that attitude. It's going to cost you. 
I want you to notice something that attitude does in Genesis 4-6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? You know, Cain was angry. He's just angry. Jealous too. Looking at Abel. Angry. And notice what happened. God asked him another question we ignore. Why is your face downcast? You know what attitude does? It starts inwardly and it shows outwardly. Some of you, I don't like your face. You ever meet someone, their face bothers you? When you have an attitude, you think it's only affecting you. It starts inside. You begin to feel anger like Cain did. You begin to feel it. And all of a sudden, God didn't say, hey, what you feeling? He said, hey, what's wrong with your face? And I see people that come into church and their face is like, you work with someone whose face is like that? Are you married to someone whose face is like that? There comes a point that your attitude affects your demeanor. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. Oh, you go to church, you work, you're married, you go home, but your demeanor. You ever notice that that demeanor of that person begins to affect other people? The Bible says this. 1 Samuel 1.8 Hannah was a woman that wanted a baby. She couldn't have kids. For years she tried, couldn't have kids. She was mad, she was upset, she was jealous of her other girlfriend there, Pania, his, her husband, other wife, long story, don't let me get into that, but Pania was having babies and she wasn't, she was angry. It was time to go to the annual time of worship and prayer to God, so they would journey to go and, and give sacrifices and worship God. This was like saying Christmas. This is a time that we come and honor Jesus. This was a time of joy. Everyone in the family got together. They had dinner. They prayed. They worshiped for days and went back home with joy. But notice that when Hannah got to this festival and she came to din the dinner table, she was just pouty. She was just upset. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, notice, Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? So she was at the dinner table going, why aren't you eating? And she would say, I'm, I'm not hungry. Why are you so dis downhearted? That word downhearted means discouraged. So she would just be like, Miserable. Miserable. At a time that should have been happy and joyful. Notice it was affecting everyone on that table. Because your attitude affects everyone. He says, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It began to make her husband feel worthless. Because Hannah was ungrateful to him. Your attitude affects everyone around you. And sometimes your attitude is actually causing a lot of hurt in others. Verse 18, Hannah made a choice. 
Because attitude is a choice. And she looked at her circumstance. She says, I'm not going to allow my circumstances to rule my attitude anymore. She was tired of it. She said to God, she prayed and she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. The Bible says Hannah just went to God and prayed. And notice then she went away. She ate something. And her, what? Her face was no longer downcast. When she changed her attitude, it changed her face. Now let me ask you this, church. Did her circumstance change? No. Still childless. Proving that you don't have to wait for your circumstance to change, to have a change of attitude. Maybe God is telling you tonight, you have a change of attitude and a change of your face, and I can change your circumstance. Just maybe. Your attitude affects your demeanor. Joseph's attitude was an indication that he trusted God. Not that his life was easy, not that he'd forgiven, nothing. That he trusted God. Because lastly, as we close, your attitude is a thought. Remember, attitude is a choice. Attitude is not circumstantial. Attitude is a thought. Ephesians 4.23, God advises us, he says, be made new, transform, be made new in that what attitude of your minds. God doesn't say be, ad- be made new in the attitude of your mind, but he didn't just say this. He did not say be made new when you have a new job. Be made new when you get a new spouse. Be made new when you have a new circumstance. No, God says Be made new in your attitude. And God says your attitude is your mind. Your attitude is not what you're going through. It's not what people do to you. It's not the circumstances of your life. Your attitude is a result of how you're thinking. And God says you will be made new when your attitude changes. And if you want to change your attitude and put me first, it's in your mind. You're getting this this morning. It's in your attitude. Our minds are like like a sponge. Let Let me show you something. All right, ready? Ready? Okay, ready. How many of you were shocked and surprised about what you just saw? Alright. Why? Well, because you know that what I absorb in the sponge is going to come out shocked by that so you shouldn't be surprised when you have a bad mindset if you're always thinking negative thinking the worst 
thinking depression, thinking bitter, angry. You're thinking jealous and vengeance. Do you think what's going to come out of you is going to be godly? Do you think what's going to come out of you is going to be pleasant? But see, many of you, you absorb in your mind everything wrong. Your mind is absorbing the wrong that they did to you. Your mind is absorbing every negative thing. Your mind is absorbing the pain and the suffering and the struggle. You're absorbing jealous thoughts, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts. And it's no wonder that when you're under pressure, because that's what this needs to come out, when you're under pressure and life squeezes you, what comes out is what's inside. Under the abundance of the heart, God says, your mouth is going to speak. And that word heart is a word that translates in the Greek psycho where we get the word psychology from. It means your inner thoughts. Out of your thoughts are going to come out of your mouth. And many of you, you are just self-absorbed, selfish. Many of you are just thinking all the time the worst. You're thinking wrong and negative and bitter and angry and faltering. life squeezes you because it will when you're under the pressure and it just squeezes you what comes out is everything that's been absorbed in your mind not only are you to be careful with how you think be careful when you associate yourself around people that have that attitude because what they absorb and comes out will ultimately come inside you and come out of you too. Be careful when you're around a person that everything out of their mouth is gossip and slander and jealousy and anger and, and just slandering everyone. Be careful because you begin to absorb that and when pressure comes and comes out go to bed angry, you get thinking about what your wife did, what your husband did, how your kids are behaving, and you're just thinking negative, they're never going to change, they're selfish, I can't stand them, and when the pressure finally comes, you let it out. I can't believe they betrayed me, they lied about me, I can't believe they were jealous of me, I can't believe they hurt me like this. And when the pressure was on, he could have been angry, upset, discouraged. He could have let Pharaoh had it. I'm not lifting a finger. I'm not going to clean. Do you know who I am? But Joseph said no. God, you saw the injustice. God, you know that I can trust you. You know that you are a way maker. Lord, I know that whatever meant for evil is going to turn out for my good. I know, Lord, that someday soon I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to trust you because I know that you made a way. I know that you're a provider. I know that you're faithful. I'm absorbing myself in your word. I'm absorbing myself in who you are. And when life life squeezes you, what comes out of you is faith and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness 
and faithfulness and self-control. Why? Because I've been absorbed in the Word of God and His presence of God. But see, if you have an angry, bitter, vengeful attitude, don't tell me that you're spending daily time with God. Absorbing yourself in His presence. Faithful. 